from Television City in Hollywood, it's the Carol Burnett Show. With Harvey Gordon. I have been so honored in my uh, in my career to speak to so many legends. I, I just am humbled uh, every time it happens. But when it happens multiple times, I feel uh, just deeply grateful for the chance once again uh, to engage them in in dialogue. Uh, last week on this program, uh, we celebrated. Uh, uh, the life and legacy of uh, Norman Lear. Uh, I had so many opportunities over years to talk to Norman Lear uh, publicly and privately, and uh, we called those conversations together uh, and uh, gave you a treat last week uh, of an hour of my favorite conversations with Norman Lear. Uh, I've had the honor uh, more than once in my career uh, to uh, to engage in dialogue. Uh, Carol Burnett, uh, comedic legend, uh, and I am um, having goosebumps right about now uh, because I get uh, the opportunity one more again, one more again, as we say, uh, to talk to um, the, uh, the the legendary Carol Burnett, who I'm delighted to welcome to Tavis Smiley right about now. Carol Burnett, how are you today? I'm terrific, Tavis. It's so nice to talk to you again. <laughs> how, how are you? I am well. I am well, and I'm just thrilled and just tickled to hear your voice. And uh, <laughs> uh, I've been excited for, for some days now, knowing that you and I would get a chance to speak once again. Uh, so let me oh, start by asking you the same question. How are you doing? How have you been? I'm, I'm terrific, thank goodness. You know, one day at a time, and uh, I'm grateful that at this age I still have all my parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my knees and my hips, and I, I hope my brain. Oh no, you still got all your parts, and they are they are working in tandem, and they're working working quite beautifully. Let me before I get into our conversation again. I I I I, I so enjoy talking to you. We don't we don't even have to have a subject matter. It's just like I just want to talk to Carol Burnett for an hour, and we'll talk about life and her career and whatever else comes up. Yep. So we're going to we're going to go wherever we go. But let me okay. let, let, but let me start. I, I mentioned Norman Lear, um, and I had yeah. I get the opportunity to celebrate him uh, his life and legacy last week. Um, your thoughts, uh, for, for starters, about Norman Lear? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I, my only regret is that I never got to work with him, mm -hmm. but I'm absolutely grateful, so grateful, that I got to know him and I was able to call him a friend. Mm -hmm. um, he used to, when they were doing All in the Family, they were in the studio next door to our studio at mm -hmm. Television City. And so... Uh, when we had a break or anything, I would sneak over to their set so that I could watch them rehearse. Mm. And it was always a joy. And uh, he was, uh, well, there was nobody like him. I don't think there ever was, and I, don't, I doubt that there ever will be. Yeah. He was one, literally, I mean, it's, it's a cliche to say this, but sometimes they're cliches because they're true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he was one in a million. 
No, that he was. Um, and you're right. There would never be another one of him, and there'll never be another one of you. Uh, and that's why I am so uh, so delighted always to uh, to engage you in dialogue. Let, let me let me let me let me do this next. Uh, we were we spent the first hour. I do this every day for three hours uh, across mm-hmm. the country on this nationally syndicated program. And in our first hour today, and I'm not trying to go there with you. I just want to set this up. In our first hour, we were talking about uh, all the drama that's ensuing right about now regarding these three women college presidents who spoke on Capitol Hill last week. Uh, and frankly, didn't answer the question uh, that, uh, that they were asked the way they should have. And one of them has lost her job. The University of Pennsylvania president has been fired. Uh, and we will see what happens to the president, uh, the, 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 the female president, the woman president at Harvard. Uh, she's holding on to her job at the moment, as is the woman president at uh, MIT. Uh, but one has already bitten the dust. We'll see what happens to the other two. And I was in this sort of spirited debate in our first hour about the fact that we all make mistakes in life, and I don't like this notion of cancel culture, but the point I really tried to drive home as well, and some of our listeners were comment, commenting on this, Carol, that it took us all these years for women to become presidents of these major institutions like MIT and UPenn and Harvard, and that conversation took us in a different direction. I only raise that because when it comes to women doing stuff out of the box, there's Carol Burnett, who was way ahead of the crowd, uh, back in the day, um, what can you share with us about your journey uh, to that high platform at CBS for those eleven seasons and doing that as a woman? Well, I, you know, I, it never occurred to me that I was able to do this because, in spite of being a woman, mm-hmm. when uh, I got my start, I was with uh, Gary Moore, who was a wonderful. Uh, MC. He had his own uh, variety show back in uh, the late uh, 50s and early 60s, mm-hmm. and he hired me as what we call a second banana, you know, a person who would be in the sketches and be supportive, mm-hmm. along with uh, Derward Kirby, who was the other second banana. What Gary uh, was such a wonderful boss, I won't even say he was a boss, he he ran the show. His name was on the title, The mm-hmm. Gary Moore Show. But when we would sit around and we would read the script for the following week, and uh, if I, if he had a joke or something or a funny punchline or whatever, mm-hmm. he would read it and he'd say, you know what, give this joke to Derwood or give it to Carol. They can say it better than I can. Mm. So that's the kind of a person... He was, Mm -hmm. so that in a sense, it was a true rep company. So I never really felt like I was a supportive, I was just part of this rep company. Mm -hmm. Now, when I signed a contract with uh, CBS as a result of uh, being on Gary's show, and in that contract, uh, I would be required, it was a 10-year contract, Mm -hmm. I would be required to do one one hour special a year, and two uh, guest shots on some any CBS sitcom or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. and that was ten years. And then, but I, I had a a very good agent. Uh, there was a caveat in the contract that within the first five years, if I, Carol, decided I wanted to do a one hour long variety show, comedy variety show. All I would have to do would be to push the button, and CBS would have to put it on for 30 shows, 
whether or not they wanted to. <laughs> hold, 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 hold that thought. Hold that thought. Uh, yeah, you had, you had a very, very good agent. Uh, I want to pick up on that when we come forward. We're talking to the iconic Carol Burnett on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. More of Tavis Smiley with the legendary Carol Burnett coming your way right about now. All right, Carol Burnett, you were, I want to finish hearing about this contract and, and this amazing agent that you had. You would tell me about the provision about a one-hour variety special. Pick up the story there. Oh, well, they, as I say, I signed this 10-year contract. And mm-hmm. Within the first five years, <coughs> uh, if I wanted to do a one-hour comedy variety show, uh, all I had to do was tell CBS I wanted to do it, and they would have to put it on the air for 30 one-hour uh, shows, whether they wanted to or not. It was my option. <laughs> and so I thought, well, and at the time, I was not interested in, I, I thought, well, I can't, I, I'm not an MC. I can't, I didn't think I could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was much more, at the time, interested in doing Broadway. But after uh, about the, the the last week of the fifth year, my husband and I had just moved to California, and uh, we I had a a baby, and uh, we looked at each other and we said, you know what, let's push that button. Mm-hmm. So, it was the last week, you know, between wow. Christmas and New Year's <laughs> of the fifth year. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the phone and I called. Uh, one of the vice presidents at CBS in New York City, and he said, hi, Carol, did you have a good Christmas, Happy New Year, and so forth, and uh, nice cities. And then I said, you know, I'm calling because I want to push that button. (laughs) And he said, what button? What button is that? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) And uh, I explained, I reminded him, and Tavis, he he had no, he did not remember that, that that I had this in the contract. So he said, "Oh, let me get back to you." <laughs> so he he said, "I'll I'll I'll call you back tomorrow." And so I thought, well, they they're getting a lot of lawyers out of Christmas parties tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and he called back the next day and he said, "Yeah, Carol, well, I see that, but you know, now I." I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, comedy variety on television, it's a man's game. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, you know, you, you, we've got this sitcom you could do that's just great. You know, call, I love it, called Here's Agnes. Can you picture it? <laughs> and so, <laughs> I said, I don't want to be Agnes every week because... Yeah. Doing Gary's show, I did different characters every week. We had music. We had guest stars. We had a rep company. We had dancers. I mean, it was a mini musical review, comedy review every week. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted. That's what I knew that I could do best. And they had to put us on the air for 30 shows. And they did not think we would last past the one season. And I didn't know either, but... Uh, anyway, we went ahead and, um, because they said, you know, it was, it was really a man's game. It was Sid Caesar. It was 
Milton Berle, it was mm-hmm. Jackie Gleason, and more recently, Dean Martin. So they had no faith that a woman could do it. But um, I just, uh, well, that's all I know how to do. You know? mm. And so, um, again, they had no faith that we would get past the first season. And uh, and they put us on uh, the first uh, season opposite, um, on a Monday night, at 10 o'clock opposite Big Valley and I Spy, which were two mm-hmm. very pop-rated shows on the other networks. But we held our own. And do, 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 you, they, do, you, do you think that was their way of trying to kill it off early? Possibly. I don't. Well, it, they had no faith. Yeah. So they thought, well, okay, we'll just put it as a, put them in that slot, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we held our own, and so they did renew us for a second season. But then, but before we got started, I knew I had to have a rep company, mm-hmm. the way Gary had his, and the way Sid Caesar. And Jackie Gleason had Art Carney, and Sid Caesar had Carl Reiner and Imogene Coca, and you know where I'm going mm-hmm. with this. So I do. I said, you know, and there was this wonderful comedian, character, actor who had been on the Danny Kay show, Harvey Corman. Mm-hmm. And I said, we need somebody. We need a Harvey Corman. <laughs> and Danny's show went off the air before we were just before we were going to go on. So luckily, Harvey was available. Wow. So we got Harvey. And then uh, Carl Reiner, who is a friend, suggested that I get a handsome hunk of an announcer that I could play off of, you know, Mm -hmm. to get around with. And that's how we discovered Lyle Wagoner, Mm -hmm. who turned out not only to be a handsome guy, you know, who was a good announcer, he actually uh, turned out to be a very good comedian. Mm -hmm. So we were able to use him in sketches. And then Vicki Lawrence. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I... I got a fan letter from this girl. We we hadn't gone on the air yet. Who was going on eighteen? She was graduating from uh, high school, and she uh, said that everybody reminds uh, that she reminds everybody of a younger Carol Burnett. Mm. And um, we had been planning on having a, a running sketch every so often, where Harvey and I would be a married couple raising my kid sister. So she included uh, in her letter uh, a a newspaper article from her local newspaper here in California uh, that had a picture of her and announcing that she was going to be in a contest called Miss Fireball of Inglewood. (laughs) (laughs) And so the the local newspaper was running uh, uh, pictures of all the girls who were going to be in that contest, so she sent me hers. Mm-hmm. There were only going to be nine girls or something. And um, so I looked, I read the letter, and I looked at the date in the article, and the date of the uh, the Miss Fireball contest was the night I got, was the very date I got the letter. Because it had been sent, been written three weeks before, but and CBS finally sent it to me. So now I'm looking at this, and the contest is tonight. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm, I, I, I had a feeling, and I uh, found out, found her telephone number. They listed her father's name in the article, Howard Lawrence, and I called the operator, and I got their phone number, and I got Vicky on the phone. 
And I said, I got your letter. She was, she was like, stunned. Mm-hmm. And I said, and the contest is tonight. Would you be comfortable if my husband and I came to see you? And she, there was this pause. And she said, well, yeah, yeah, okay. So now my husband comes downstairs. And I said, don't get too comfortable. We're going to go see the Miss Fireball contest. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, what are you talking about? And I, and I showed him the article and everything. We went to the, she won the contest. Mm-hmm. That was in January, and we were going to go on the air in September. And mm-hmm. I said, I'll be in touch. So in the summer of that year, we had Vicki come in audition. And she was pretty raw, but and she really hadn't had much experience, sure. but there was talent there. And I said, let's hire her. Let's give her a shot. Wow. So that's how we got Vicky. So we had our little rep company. Wow, wow, wow. And then a director came out from New York to do the first season, Carl Jones, and he he uh, had directed a lot of the Gary Moore shows. And then the head writer came out, who was on Gary's show, and the head dancer and the choreographer. They all came out. They had faith. Yeah. So we just we just fell into a great routine. We never had uh, pangs about how, how to get started. Mm-hmm. And, we, and I never thought about the fact, okay, I'm a woman. Yeah. No. I hear that part. I hear that part. Tell the audience um, and remind me, I know, but just remind us, how many seasons did that show run? Eleven. Mm-hmm. Say it again. 11. Say it again. Eleven. <laughs> Eleven. Yeah. And we would have gone a twelfth, but I I figured – we had lost Harvey because Harvey uh, went over to ABC to do a sitcom right. uh, after the 10th year. So I missed him during the 11th year. And I figured, you know, we've done just about everything that we could do. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do other things. So uh, CBS wanted us for another, uh, for a 12th year. But I just thought, you know, it's better to leave before they start flicking the lights on oh, and off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm no. You know, get out of here. We've had enough. That, uh, so it was my choice. I, I asked that question uh, in part because I just wanted to bring that story full circle. Uh, yeah. That they they thought this thing had no life. They weren't. They didn't. They didn't have any confidence in it. Uh, they told you that this is a man's domain. This right. is a man's domain, and and women can't do this. And here comes Carol right. Burnett. And eleven and potentially twelve seasons later, if she had chosen to do so. The show is still on the air, and it's iconic. And I watch it every night all these years later on MeTV. I watch you on MeTV. You're the one. I'm watching it it every night on MeTV, which leads me directly into this. Directly into this. So there's a story today. I was reading it this morning. There's a story today, a beautiful story, in the New York Times. I think I read so much stuff before I come on the air. But in the New York Times, there's a big story today, Carol, about the impact that Norman Lear had on the way that black folk were viewed in America when he brought out Sanford and Son and the Jeffersons and Good Times. Right, and, right. And he changed the way and, America... Uh, and how he dealt with, with Sammy Davis. That that's was one right. of the greatest. That yeah. is that, exactly right. So I, I, I love that story of how his uh, imprimatur uh, on television sort of changed the game. And you, you must be prescient because I was literally about to go to a Sammy Davis story regarding you. And you probably know where oh. I'm headed. 
So when you said Sammy Davis Jr., I was like, how does she know? That's what I'm about to say. Are you, are you reading my notes here? How do you, how do you, are you reading my mind? <laughs> so like literally like last week, I think a week before, I'm watching Carol Burnett, Carol Burnett show late night on MeTV. And I've seen it more than once, but every time I see it, I'm transfixed by it. It's the episode with Sammy Davis Jr. where he returns to his hometown. Yes. You know where I'm going here? Oh, I do. He returns do. to his hometown, and he's met by uh, the character you play, whose prejudices she cannot hide. All right. these prejudices are coming to the to the to 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 the fore. And every time I see that episode, I think Carol Burnett did this back then, <laughs> and it was so. I mean, it was. I mean, obviously, you 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 found the humor in it, and the audience found the humor in it. But, but it, oh, it, it was it was it was it risky. Was, it was risky. It was risky, and uh, I loved it. And, and the thing, the premise was that uh, his character, who is a big star now, right? They, he, his mother had been our maid mm-hmm. in the, and we lived in the south, and and so I grew up with him playing, and he was my playmate mm-hmm. as a kid, and they would play together and stuff like that. But the prejudice was still there yes. so that when he came back and everything, she was all thrilled to see him again because he's a big star. But nonetheless, she wanted him to be put in his place. That mm-hmm. he was still sub, subhuman, mm-hmm. not subhuman, but you know what no, I mean. So, no, that's right. So, yeah, you, that's right, subhuman. That's, oh, not, yeah. that's, not, that's what it was, yeah. There were these, jo- there were, there were these horrible things that she said, mm-hmm. and Sammy's character was able to kind of put up with it. He because he knew where she was coming from, and that that was the way she was raised. Mm-hmm. And I remember when when we read it, he fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Sammy adored doing that. He because he even said, "Wow, you know, you you're taking a chance here." Yeah, yeah. And I said, "I, I whether it's a, taking a chance or not." I think it was well written, and I think it was something that should have been said and dealt with. Yeah, no, I mean, when, we, when, yeah, but, I just loved it. No, I, when, when, when every time I see it, I, I've seen it a few times over the course of you know my my, my life, and every time yeah. I see it, it just it just it it I, I pause because I'm like that was pretty out there to put that sort yeah. of that sort of prejudice and racism on a variety show, no less, and to have <laughs> the audience sort of sort of laughing at it. But what you what you realize when you watch it is you're not laughing. At Sammy, obviously, and you're not even laughing at her. You sort of feel sorry for her because in she just way. she just doesn't get it. But but the racism and the prejudice is so it's so it was so uh, so there in your face. But uh, right. anyway, I, I I saw that episode just a week or two ago, and I'm like, when I talk to Carol Burnett, I got to ask you about this. I'd never ask her about that particular episode, uh, right, but it right. um, it was uh, it was arresting to see them. It's actually one of my favorite episodes wow. that we ever did. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. I'm glad glad, yeah. glad glad I went there. All right, when we come forward and continue our conversation with Carol Burnett, I want to talk about this theme song. We all love the theme song, and if you recall Oprah's show back in the day, her daytime show, Oprah did a little version of the the character. Um, where she, you know, comes out and pulls this, pulls the name of Harpo. Um, that idea, of course, came from Carol Burnett. Uh, Carol Burnett sort of did that first back in the day. Uh, but I, I, I want to talk about that theme song and how that theme song came to be. Uh, I want to talk about her voice. We know her as a, as, as a, as a, as a comedian extraordinaire, but obviously she, she has sung and sings and, and sang uh, on the show. I want to talk about that and a great deal more of those dresses, those gowns, uh, that we still look at all these seasons later. And then her story about CBS is kind of funny because the show ran on CBS for 11 years, but when it came time for her 90th anniversary special, 
CBS actually passed on it. It aired on NBC. I'm curious as to how she felt about that. More to talk about with Carol Burnett when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. It does indeed, with the one and only Carol Burnett. Uh, I had someone uh, call me yesterday, uh, a friend of mine, and he asked me, are, are you really having the Carol Burnett on your show tomorrow? I said, I am. Oh. <laughs> I'm having the oh. Carol Burnett on the show. And here she is oh, wow. as we continue our dialogue. I want to talk in a moment, Carol, if I can, about your theme song. Speaking of Norman Lear, we were talking on this program last week about the fact that back in the day, Television had so many great theme songs we all remember. Right. Everybody can sing the, sing the theme song, The Good Times, The Jeffersons. I mean, uh, the stuff that Norman Lear gave us. So many great theme songs. I want to come to yours in just a second. But it occurred to me, it occurred to me during that break um, that this is sort of a full, full circle thing for me, at least. You told the story earlier how CBS wasn't so excited. And by the way, I, I want your agent, whoever that agent was that negotiated that deal for you, <laughs> that put that clause in there that you get 30 episodes and they have no choice but to run it. I want that agent, uh, number one. But secondly, it occurred to me that CBS was not so excited uh, about giving you your show back then because it was a male domain uh, and women couldn't actually do this. And the show runs for almost a dozen seasons later. So take that, CBS. I say that lovingly and respectfully, but take that. But here, here you are now at the age of 90. And earlier this year, you pitched your 90th uh, birthday celebration um, to CBS. Mm -hmm. And CBS, all these years later, turns it down. You then offer it to NBC, and it killed. It killed. Right. It was a monster hit on NBC earlier this year because CBS, your home for all those seasons, turned it down. How did you process that? Well, <laughs> revenge is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> the thing was, not only did I do my show on CBS, but I did several, several specials. And they uh, did the 25th anniversary which uh, and the fiftieth anniversary mm -hmm. of our show, and all of the, all of us got really good ratings. So we figured, you know, of course you go to CBS, mm -hmm. and yeah, they passed. And so we, as I you said, we took it to NBC, and actually, Tavis, we fell up mm -hmm. because they spared no expense, mm. and they were terrific. They didn't see CBS always was a bit hands on. When it came to material, special material, we'd have to fight for stuff right. or argue about it. But, you know, we usually got our way. But mm -hmm. it was always a bit of a struggle. And also with the budget. Um, they were very careful about the budget. I swear, I mean, with NBC, mm -hmm. you know, we, we had a 15-piece live orchestra, which is unheard of. Mm -hmm. And we had all of those um, clips that we had to... Uh, do and all of the live music and the performers and the costumes and it, what I wanted I didn't want a birthday party right you know, I didn't want a roast I didn't want the confetti and the cake or any of that I wanted us to do a variety show mm -hmm. you know and to show not only what I did but what Harvey and Tim and Vicky and on and on yeah. and and uh, then to have Live purple, like from with Bernadette Peters and and Billy Porter. And oh no, this, this, ca this cast. I mean, let me let me run the cast. Um, Julie Andrews, Cher, mm -hmm. 
Katy yep. Perry, Kristen Chenoweth, Billy Porter, Jane Lynch, yep. Bernadette Peters, as you mentioned, Bill Hader, Amy Poehler, yep. Lily Tomlin, yep. Laura Dern, Steve Carell, yep. Tracy Ellis Ross, Taraji P. Henson. It killed, as I said in the ratings that night. And also what they did, which is unheard of, <laughs> they showed it again the same week. Mm-hmm. They, so that they, they repeated it. And then again a month later. So they ain't stupid. They, they ain't stupid. They know ratings when they see ratings, Carol. They ain't stupid. <laughs> and we're thrilled. We, you know, the ratings were terrific. And yeah. we, so as a result, we have uh, five Emmy nominations. Yeah, that's huge. Which is really wonderful. No. You know, and uh, and so I, you know, as far as CBS goes, I, I, I think, um, well. I think a few heads rolled at the next yeah, day. Yeah. What 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 have you learned? Let me let me get philosophical for a second and give you a chance to be philosophical. Um and not not just so not just so whimsical as I've been in some some parts of this conversation, but but what what have you learned about people counting you out? They didn't think you could do it all those years ago. And yeah. here at your 90th in your 90th year, you're you're killing it in the ratings with this special that CBS didn't think you could do again. What have you learned over the course of your life about people trying to count you out? Don't listen. Mm-hmm. Don't listen. You know, do what you can do, and if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it's it's nobody's fault but your own. Mm-hmm. And I've also just completed doing a um, season of Palm Royale for Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. with Kristen Wiig, Laura Dern, Allison Janney, mm-hmm. Ricky uh, <laughs> Ricky Martin. We uh, and it's going to premiere next. March, mm. and uh, we're hoping maybe there will be a second season. So <laughs> I'll just keep on trucking as long as I'm able. <laughs> I, I am I am laughing because you, again you're, you're 90, and obviously to your earlier point, all your parts are still there, and your mind <laughs> is still sharp, and you're still funny, and you're still and you're still doing it. But why? Why in your 90th year are you still doing this? Well, why not? <laughs> as long as it's fun. Yeah. As long as I'm having a good time. And I'm just thrilled, too, because I have a lot of friends, you know, a lot who are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And then I still have some that are around my generation and age. But I also now have made new friends with Allison mm-hmm. and Laura and mm-hmm. Kristen. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, they... They surprised me on my uh, for a birthday party <laughs> mm. up here. It, so I've got new girlfriends. And uh, do you know what Wordle is? I do. Okay. Well, I Wordle with um, <laughs> I Wordle with Allison, and I Wordle with Julia Louis Dreyfus. Wow. I mean, we've got our own little group. <laughs> wow. Play, so play, some, you're still I've active. Got some new buddies, new uh, girlfriends. I love you know, that. Yeah. That, that's one of the ways they say to stay young. You, you stay young by by making new friends, younger friends, uh, and, and exactly. it keeps you young. Yeah, yeah. Tell tell me about. I don't. I don't. I don't need to color this question any more than this. Tell me about the theme song. Well, uh, that was written by my husband mm. uh, at the time, Joe Hamilton, who uh, he produced the Gary Moore Show. Mm-hmm. But he started out as a special material writer. Younger, he worked uh, for Dinah Shore and all, and and so he wrote special material. So. When it came time, and Gary Moore had a theme song, I remember that. Right. Uh, but then uh, when it came time to do our show, uh, instead of having another uh, special material writers do it, Joe just sat down at the piano and fiddled around, and that was it. I'm so glad we had this time together. That's right. Man. 
you, you think of Carol Burnett, you think of that song, and it is um, it, it's a, the song, the theme song is as classic as the show was and is uh, still running every day on some channel somewhere, and they said she couldn't do it. Uh, I'm glad she pushed back, and I'm glad she had a great agent to get that clause in that contract. More with Carol Burnett when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love, this is Tavis Smiley. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett, where are all those dresses, all those gowns? You could do quite the exhibit if you still had that stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> That's been a long time, you know, <laughs> 40 years, whatever. But yeah. I do have some of uh, the jackets mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Bob designed, Bob Mackey. Mm-hmm. He designed. Uh, and so because those don't go out of style and, and they're uh, sequined and so forth, so you don't have to worry about ironing them yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or anything. And, uh, and so and I have worn a few of them when I've done my Q&As across the country, which I don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. But oh, I do. I want to. When you're talking about Big TV and mm-hmm. YouTube and so forth, uh, the last time I did my Q and A's, which was about uh, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a little now. Oh, I'm. I was getting audiences from like age seven to ninety-seven. I'm so sure. It's amazing. And a little boy, and, the, and it's all random. I, I just say any Q and A, any questions. We turn up the lights. Oh yeah. And this little boy in the second row raised his hand. And I said, but first of all, uh, what's your name? And he said, Andrew. And I said, how old are you, Andrew? And he said, nine. <laughs> I said, and you know who I am? And there was a pause, and he said, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> is that sweet? <laughs> where, where, uh, where, where did that? I always thought it was bold. Of course, in television, you can edit anything you need to edit out. Yeah. But I always thought it was bold when you said, "Let's turn up the lights." Any questions? Because you never knew what what was going to come at you. Where, no, where, where, no. where did where did the idea for that for that segment to open that, the show come from? That came from the executive producer Bob Banner. Mm-hmm. Gary Moore used to warm up his audience with Q and A. Right. They never taped it though, and so when we were going to do my show. Bob said, you know, Carol, before you put on all those crazy wigs and black out your teeth, and <laughs> you, the, you, people should get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a standard comic come out to warm up the studio audience, you should go out and do Q&A, and we'll tape it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was... I thought, oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> no way. And he said, well, you know, we'll put we'll put some plants in the audience so that you know. And then I said, no, if I'm going to do it, it's got to be for real. Mm. And if I have egg on my face and can't answer a question, you know, at least people will know it's honest. And let's do it for three weeks, and then we'll see how it goes. And if I don't like it, we'll forget it. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, after the first two or three weeks when it aired. People started coming ready, you know, to to the show, ready to ask something, and I started to enjoy it. Yeah. So that was, and it was none of it was ever written or planned. Yeah. And some of my favorite moments came out of doing questions mm-hmm. and answers. I and lo- then I went around the country doing the same thing, you know, for many many years. Yeah. No, I loved it because it always showed your humanity. Um, and your vulnerability, uh, and, yeah. and and that there, there's no way to connect to an audience as you know, like 
exposing them to your vulnerabilities exactly. uh, and, and your humanity. It just makes a connection with the audience, and, uh, and you never knew what was going to be asked, so it was always always uh, really cool to, 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 to see. Uh, when we come forward, our remaining moments with Carol Burnett on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically black. Black, black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley right now. I've got just four minutes left, just four minutes left in this conversation that I've enjoyed immensely with Carol Burnett. And I just feel grateful once again to uh, have one more chance to talk to her. Uh, maybe not the last, but I, 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 I reveled in each and every one of these opportunities to, to engage her in dialogue. Uh, Carol Burnett, um, I, must, I must confess that my favorite part of that show, all those seasons, uh, honestly, were the parts where you all would crack each other up while you were in character. <laughs> oh, you try, you're trying to hold it together. And it, it always seems to me that Tim Conway was always at the, at the, at the epicenter of that, but I would just crack up watching you guys trying to hold it together, uh, live on television. Uh, well, we were criticized a lot for that. And, uh, people think we did it a lot. We really didn't, you know, mm-hmm. 270 odd shows. You, there was very, when you went, very small percentage, mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. It was Conway's fault most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I people talked about it, and I thought, you know what? I want it to seem like a live show, mm-hmm. but even though it was live on tape. We could have mm-hmm. stopped, but I I didn't want to stop. I, I said, let's just do it. Let's just have the danger there, yeah. you know, so that people will know that's what's happening. And so I would let it, I said, let's just go and try our bet. We never, ever did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And Tim would do things like we'd do two shows, well, dress rehearsal and then the air show, and we'd tape both. Mm-hmm. That, and they were with different audiences, one at 5 o'clock and one at 8. And so Tim would do uh, exactly as we rehearsed in the early show. Mm-hmm. And then he would talk to the director, not us or anything else, about certain shots that he would want him to do that weren't in the first show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wouldn't tell him what he was going to do. <laughs> and then he would, he would go off on these tangents that had never been rehearsed. Well, I dare anybody to keep it together yeah. when he got on a roll. <laughs> but it was mainly it was mainly Tim. Yeah. And poor Harvey, who prided himself on being a very serious comedic actor. Yeah. He was so mad at himself, he couldn't help it. And, <laughs> but and it was, Tim but... could get to him like crazy. And Vicky was the best. She she could keep it pretty straight, yeah. you know. No, it's funny, and, though. It's funny watching watching you guys just try to hold it together. I know. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you are, I got just two minutes left here. You are so busy still uh, at 90 uh, doing what you do as only you can do it. Uh I, I, I get the sense that you have not taken any time out to slow down and to actually think about your amazing and rich legacy. Oh, not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that, you know, but um, you know, I don't like to live in the past mm. or think about that. It's, it's, you know, what, what am I going to do today? Mm-hmm. What, what am I going to do tomorrow to just, you know, keep busy? And I just want to do what's fun. I, I, I'm not working constantly. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I just want to do certain certain things that uh, would appeal to me. And uh, luckily, I'm getting scripts, and uh, you know, and they're just it's like when I got the chance to do Palm Royale, I actually didn't have to read anything when they told me Kristen Wiig, Laura Dern, and Allison Janney were involved. Mm. I said. 
count me in. I don't care what you want me to do. <laughs> well, wh- whether you think about it or not, we think about it. And we are we are forever indebted to you for the love and the laughter uh, and the, the uplift that you provide us all these years in real time then and now in repeats everywhere. Uh, it's thank an amazing you. it's an amazing body of work. And as I said, I'm always honored to uh, to engage you in dialogue. So thank you once thank again you, for the opportunity sir. to talk to you, Carol Burnett. And happy holidays, darling. Happy holidays to you, sweetie. I appreciate you and thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I'm so glad we had this time together. That's our conversation with Carol Burnett, and that is our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it half as much as I did. Back here tomorrow, Lord willing, to try to do it all over again. It's going to be hard to top this show the rest of the week, but we're going to do our best. Uh, Until tomorrow, thanks for tuning in to Tavis Smiley. And as always, keep the faith.